So have you, yeah. Have you seen it? You have. See, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not big on subtitles. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about it, right? But you liked it, right? Yeah, cool. All right, here we go. Are you set there, uh, Mr. Reg? I like where the levels are bopping. Leave it right there, okay? And uh, I will give you the uh, three S's in the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. How's that? Okay? Very good, sir. Put it in the book. Episode 285. We always like fives. 285. This is, this is important, I guess, right? We're on our way to 300. So, are you ready? All set? Very good. All right, here we go. Three S's. Star, smile, strong. <clears throat> Let me clear my instrument. Prepare for professional podcasting. <laughs> All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Only makes sense. Don't forget, though, what's most important is not just the listening aspect of this podcast. It's the promotion. We are in a promotion world, right? There's no such thing as low-key. So I am... Feeling no guilt when I say, get out there, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, anybody who listens to podcasts, tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty and that devotion that you so generously spew on this podcast is much appreciated. If you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com. Go to the podcast section of the website. Hit the prompt for this podcast, and you will find all previous, hopefully all of them. There's quite a few. There's, well, last count, there should be 284 back in that vault just sitting there waiting for your ears to experience them. If you been a long-time listener or a new one, go back and listen to see what we've talked about before so you'll know what we're talking about today. If there's 284 in the vault, then welcome to 285. 285, we love fives, right? We love zeros and fives, whatever kind of milestone. So I guess today's another milestone until the next five podcasts until we get to 290 but we are we are looking straight forward into the future into that yellow brick road of number 300 which uh you figure uh in 15 weeks 15 weeks it's pretty it's pretty easy once once a week right 15 weeks four weeks is a month 12 weeks is three months so we've got November, December, January. So sometime in February, we'll be uh, talking about our 300th, 300th episode. Wow. That sounds like a lot. It is, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, what I wanted to talk about uh, today in episode 285, we're still, we're still, we're not there yet. We could see the 300 mark, but we still got to get there. We still got to, you know, just be, when you're running a marathon, just because, you know, it's 26 point, what, two miles or something, just because you've done, you know, the, the 20 miles, you can't say, well, I, I'm already there. You still got to get through those, those remaining miles. So we still got a ways to go, but at least we could see the finish line to that 300. And then we look to 400. There's no telling how many podcasts we can do, right? I mean, if you, in theory, I could do two podcasts a week and we could get there in no time flat. <laughs> but we've started it once a week, and so I think we'll just, we'll, 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 we'll at least go to 300, you know, uh, in, a, in a more, uh, organic way. I started with one a week. I certainly could do, I mean, I certainly have enough to talk about, believe me, folks. 
<laughs> Do you have enough time to listen to two a week? That's the question, right? I think this uh, this setup works up pretty good for all of us, right? So what I wanted to talk about today, um, if you are in the pop culture world, um, you have most likely, or if you haven't, then I'm going to be the first one to tell you about it. Uh, there has been a new phenomenon in the pop culture world over the last, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe six weeks or so. Uh, and it's once again revolving around television, and it's once again revolving around a streaming service, and it's once again revolving around Netflix, uh, a specific streaming service. You may recall uh, about a year ago or so, right at the beginning of the pandemic, within the first month or so, when we were in a much more uh, strict and all-inclusive, if you will, <laughs> sort of like going to Jamaica, only it was different, right? It was we 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 were in an all ex, all exclusive lockdown. <laughs> uh, it was a little more intense. I mean, almost it, it's almost as as we as we get actually get close to the the two year anniversary of when everything shut down in uh, in March of 2020. We are not that far away from two years ago the two-year anniversary of that lockdown, and here we are still uh, battling COVID and uh, most likely will be for a a while longer, certainly and thankfully not as bad as it was at the beginning because of uh, our our just our lack of knowledge as to what it was, and now we have a vaccine, so we certainly have made some progress, but we're still battling it, and there's no question about that, and we probably will battle it again. In the coming months, especially now that uh, we're all indoors and uh, the holidays are coming, there's no, there's certainly opportunities for it to spread again. So we'll see what happens. But um, anyway, uh, if you recall, uh, one of the big phenomenons obviously was that people were staying in. No one was going anywhere. And so people were watching television. And a surprise phenomenon arose during those first months of the lockdown based on a television show on Netflix that was all but non-existent, not even on anybody's radar screens. But then, because so many people were at home watching television, many people then, because of just the need to expand their choices they were they were home either from work they had more time on their hands than than usual and so perhaps their their normal viewing habits and their normal viewing sh- uh, you know shows the content wasn't enough and so people started to expand and those who didn't have streaming services suddenly said well what's all this what's all this streaming about What's all this Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and all these other things? What's that all about? And so with Netflix being such a huge entity and the, the forerunner uh, of, and the pioneer of the, the entire streaming service space in the, in, in the entertainment world, everybody flocked to Netflix. And so there was a show, you may recall, called Tiger King. A very odd, uh, almost disturbing show that had all the elements of what, sadly, many of today's viewers uh, enjoy, which is viewerism, uh, voyeurism, I should say, and um, taking delight in other people's screwed up lives or their own misery, which basically is the definition for reality television. I mean, that's what reality TV really is. We just like to watch other people crash and burn, and we get to watch it and uh, and comment on it and, uh, I guess, feel some superiority. I am not a fan of reality television. I can honestly say that I do not watch any reality TV shows at all. Now, yes, I did start... Uh, like everyone else did 20 years ago, I did get sucked in initially to Survivor, which uh, is, is mostly responsible for 
the new explosion and permanency of reality television. Now, in in, in reality, (laughs) um, you may recall that back in the mid-90s, early 90s, reality television really started on MTV, if, uh, if you remember that, with the real world where it had five or how many, seven, eight, I can't remember how many. But they had a bunch of young people living in an apartment in New York, and uh, their lives were, were videotaped. And that was really the beginning, for all intents and purposes. There's been other reality kind of shows throughout the years dating back decades on PBS. So it's not the first time, but certainly real world popularized it not only uh, because of the power of MTV and uh, the hipness of MTV at the time, as well as it was dealing with uh, you know young people, the youth at the time, that was Generation X. And at that time, of course, everybody was fawning over Generation X like they now fawn over the millennials. And so it was a perfect storm, and, and that's where the, the, the seedlings of reality television uh, to what it be, has become today, uh, started to be sown and grow. But clearly, uh, and there, was a, there were a few other kinds of similar shows, but certainly the real world was the most prominent that really put it on the map, that, that whole genre. And then several years later, it was Survivor when it came to network television. You have to remember that you know, now, you know, that whole concept of cutting the cord and, and getting away from cable or, or satellite and subscribing to the streaming services, that's all the cool and that's all the rage right now. Uh, but while cable and satellite certainly had a major impact from the 80s and, and, and throughout the mid-80s and throughout the 90s, And even up until the last, say, five years ago, cable certainly had a great run. But at the same time, it was still somewhat fringe in that many people still watched the free, over-the-air network television. So even though there were some very popular shows on cable television, no question about that when you're talking about Sopranos or, or, uh, you know, on, on HBO or as I said before, the real world, other shows that were on cable, they certainly uh, became very popular and at the time and, and in, their, in their peaks did rival the kinds of audience numbers that network television at that time used to get. Um, but still network television, because it was free, because it was just there all the time, still drew huge numbers. Now, of course, with all the options out there and uh, and an entire generation now tuned in to watching most of their entertainment on their own devices, whether it's a computer or a phone, uh, and not even sitting down to a television and not being tethered to a television at all, um, those network numbers have certainly dropped. And we've seen some traditionally huge events that used to attract hundreds of millions of people on network television, we have now seen how those have dramatically declined over the last several years as more people, especially younger people, have... They didn't even cut the cord. They never had a cord. Cutting the cord refers to you know, cutting cable, getting rid of that, and, and just subscribing to a variety of streaming services and getting all of your content there. Um, a lot of people have done that. Uh, I have not. There are a lot of stations and a lot of cable networks that uh, that I enjoy, and I still want to watch my regular stations. I still watch the network shows. I still watch, you know, my my ABCs and my CBSs and my NBCs and my my Fox. And so those, I, I, I there are still programs there. I'm not ready to completely abandon those. And I don't have a ton of streaming services. Actually, I only have a couple. Um, so I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming in both pools right now, but, uh, there's no question that, uh, streaming services have, have taken on a, a greater, uh, impact and that really 
was the case over the last year. With people being home during the pandemic and looking for more options, uh, they uh, obviously uh, and most logically went to streaming services. And so the first phenomenon of the pandemic, of the lockdown in terms of uh, education or, or entertainment, was this show called Tiger King, which, as I said before, was kind of a a very dark and odd and disturbing uh, kind of docu-series reality show about the very weird and niche world of exotic animals and some of the people that uh, were involved in this. Uh, it's, it, was, it, was, it was a very niche program, but once again, with people having a lot more time on their hands, with people being bored, with people just not, you know, with, with the uncertainty surrounding our world at the time, people were, were up for anything. And so word spread about this show on Netflix called Tiger King. And suddenly this, as I said, this perverse and um, this very disturbing group of people in this little world of exotic animals uh, somehow captured the the voyeuristic imagination of people around the world. And Tiger King became one of the most unlikely hit shows of all time, not just on a, a streaming service, of all time. The number of people that watched it uh, were, was record-setting, certainly for Netflix. And as most fads go, it, uh, it burned hot and died out quickly. And that's, I tell you, I, I've talked about this many times on, on the podcast here. I'm not one for fads. I, I, because, because of the fact that if you, if you chase fads, if you chase whatever is popular for the moment, you are going to have nothing memorable. You're going to have nothing to hold on to because most fads are just that. If you look up the dictionary, a meaning of a fad, it's some kind of short term, very, uh, you know, popular, trend for a short period of time that uh, that becomes completely engrossing and then disappears that's a fad and lord knows in the history of the united states we have had our <laughs> our share of fads going back you know into the 20s when you're talking about the jitterbug and dance crazes and things like that um so we we in, probably invented the fad and uh, we are probably its worst practitioner. So I've always been leery of jumping on a bandwagon or, or of fads or trends because they're usually short-lived. Um, and as I've said many times, when something gets so popular that so many people like it, I have to question whether it's really that good because I don't really know how many... When you look around and you see the um, the taste of of the majority of people, um, you know, you go and say, I don't really share that. So I think if something is so popular, then it can't be that good. So I'm not a fad guy at all. And I'll be honest, uh, while, you know, once again, this has been a very difficult thing for me. I talked about this before. Being somebody that's been a, uh, you know, kind of a pop culture, uh, you know, disciple, since I before it even had a name, I was into pop culture. Before it became this, this kind of uh, you know segment of our society, uh, you know, I was a practitioner of pop culture. I was engrossed in pop culture. I didn't know it. I was just listening to music, watching TV shows, uh, you know, and, and and all other kinds of entertainment arts you know, and like that, and just completely engrossed in it, and 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 really you know, knowing a lot of information about it and watching shows and watching movies and quoting dialogue and things like that. And uh, that that became, that's what helped pave the way for the pop culture boom that we have now. And now pop culture is almost our own culture. So it's been, but, but the last several years have been difficult for me. A few podcasts ago, I talked about my trivia void in that, as I said about fads and, and things like that, I, I there's a certain segment now that I there's things that I just don't I, I would always I would always gobble up whatever was in the it was in the was in the zeitgeist of pop culture. I knew something about it, but I have not um, explored as much 
because uh, it's been it, the the canvas has gotten too big. The, you know, the internet just opened up. It, it's impossible now to be, you know, a you know an expert on on pop culture and everything because the 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 universe is just too big. It used to be a lot smaller and a lot more. Uh, you had the ability to you know to to handle it more, and now it's just it's there's there's too much out there. There's just too much content. And that's kind of where this grows out of, this Tiger King phenomenon. Because within our realm here, there's always been a niche, there's always been an elitist group that wants to be cooler than everyone else and be into things that no one else knows about. And some of these things aren't even that good. But they're different just enough, and they have they have they have certain qualities that that can entertain people, whether it's music, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV show, whatever it may be, you know, theater, whatever it is, that it that it it becomes kind of this little cult thing, and that's what we used to call it cult, you know, a cult following. And uh, and now of course those cult following things used to be very small and they were under the radar screen. But once again, with the internet, it's impossible for anything to be under the radar screen anymore. And so now we have a world filled with niches before there was a mainstream and there were little pockets of niches. And now actually we, we, our mainstream is, is, is com- is comprised of billions <laughs> or thousands or millions of little niches. It's like the niches just used to be spread out among the the bigger vast landscape of the mainstream culture. But now it seems we are so uh segmented that our culture is not there there's not one big landscape anymore. The culture now seems to have been supplanted by all the niches making the the entire it's like one big patchwork before it used to be the a sprawling landscape with little dots here and there and now it's just one big quilt of little segments it is it's almost like a quilt. And so it's, and so now there's mo- with with so many niches, it's harder to be, you know, in that little cool club because there's a million of them. But then something like Tiger King comes along, which checks all the boxes, and because you know, information and news can spread so quickly today, somewhere somehow. This Tiger King on Netflix got into the pipeline and boom, it became a phenomenon. And everybody was talking about Tiger King, Tiger King, Tiger King. As expected, by April or May or June, it was then people were starting to look look at it from another standpoint now, not from the voyeuristic, like, what is this about, and every and it's so cool, and everybody's watching it, so i got to watch it. But then people took a look back and go, well, what am I really watching here? Is this any really good? Is this good at all? Or am I, am I watching this because someone said it is? And then they were starting to look into, you know, getting into the, the nuts and bolts of this show, and, and the people were, were not very likable, and the, and the topic wasn't likable, and the whole thing just went away very quickly. And it's still, there might even be a film version of it, and I doubt that's going to do well. Because as I said, it, it, it was a phenomenon. It was, a, it was just a, it was a meteor. It was, it was something to pass the time. It was the perfect storm during those early days of the pandemic. And, uh, and now as, you know, a year or so later, a year and a half later or so, our society has opened up. And so we're not as we're not as communal as we were for that little time. At that time, we were even though we were we were we were we were quasi communal. We weren't as communal as we were in the fifties and sixties when there was only about five things to watch, 
And so that's why shows were so dominant. That's why everybody watched I Love Lucy in the 50s, and everybody watched the Ed Sullivan show in the 60s. Everybody said how there were 73 million people watching the Beatles uh, around the country when they debuted uh, on February 9th, 1964, because it was the only thing to do. There was, there was, that, there was X amount of shows. But now there's a millions of of opportunities and millions of 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 uh of selections out there and so it's really we're not as communal as we 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 once were by any stretch of imagination except when one of these buzzy things comes up and so tiger king was that and it was a quasi reality show uh and so once again we enjoyed looking at these people and learning about this little weird world of exotic animals and then you know once again like you do on a, on a reality show you you decide who the villain is and who the good person is and it's a whole goofy thing like i said it's not my cup of tea i watched the first season of survivor i did watch real world for a couple of seasons and then the first season of real world the reality show on mtv in the 90s was 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 well done and very interesting because it was it was pure, and as soon as the first season was over, and the new people auditioned, and knew that they could become celebrities, and knew that uh, it was beneficial to be an outrageous personality because that made you stand out, then it got it got tainted. The first season of the Real World, nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew what to expect when the show was being filmed before it aired. The people on it had no idea that it would be popular, had no idea if anybody would watch it. So they acted much more in a realistic way, the true, the true meaning of a reality show. But then once it got on the air months later and it became a phenomenon, after that, it never really could go back. The genie was out of the bottle. It could never go back to that purity, that innocence of, of this idea of, a, of, of the people not acting for the camera, but they were just being themselves to a great extent. And there probably was some acting going on, even in that first season. But certainly, once that show aired and it became a hit, all the preceding seasons were influenced by that first season and and what you could do and what you could become and it became a completely different show and that's what happened with survivor if you remember the first season of survivor on cbs the winner of survivor was on the front page of the newspaper that show was so encompassing that everybody it was the same way with the first season of american idol those first seasons when 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 those kind of shows uh just grab you know just grab the attention and grab whatever that it is in the american public and and worldwide public whatever that 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 intangible is when those sh- when when there's a tv show or a movie or something that has it uh it it becomes just overwhelming and so the first season of american idol and the first season of Survivor is when those shows were at their best. And then, as I said, once they become so popular, then the, uh, the magic trick has been revealed. And they, can, they never can repeat that same kind of innocence that those first reality shows had. And so if you remember... Uh, you know, it, w- that first season of Survivor, nobody really even understood the whole idea of an alliance. We were watching those shows. If you remember, if you watched Survivor, and I'm sure you did, even if you don't want to admit it, that first season of Survivor, not only was there an innocence going on seemingly in in the show itself, but there was an innocence on the part of the audience at least I know I was. I was watching that and thinking, as you were, as as you were, uh, 
subliminally instructed to, or you were supposed to understand that, that these, that these people were all working against each other. And so you'd watch an episode and you say, well, that person has to get voted off because look what they did. They didn't do this. They didn't do that, blah, 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 blah. And then that vote would come and they would, that, and that person would not be voted off. And you were sitting there going, how the heck could they not have voted that person off? And little did we know until the very end of the show, the big reveal was that whether those people on Survivor, those players, whether they were clued into it, whether they themselves caught on to it, but there was this whole idea of the alliance. And so there was another game going on while the bigger game on Survivor was going on and this whole idea of alliances. And then once when there was alliance, you knew that, well, if that those people have the numbers, so those other people are going to be gone. And then, and once that was kind of revealed, then for me, the show lost a lot of its appeal because then it, it just became this game of, of interpersonal relationships and strategies rather than the whole idea was that they were competing against one another and if the, and and they would be voted off based on their their ability to excel in a in a task or something like that but that's not what the show became it became then this tribal thing and that turned me off so i watched the first season and by the middle of the second when i stopped watching survivor and have not watched it since i know there's been 40 seasons it's been on for 20 years whatever but i that has been off my radar screen completely and then we've had other shows, obviously, like Big Brother, and then some of these talent shows, like which are still kind of reality, quasi-reality shows, like Dancing with the Stars, um, and then of course all the talent shows. And then we've had all these, you know, the the wives of Beverly Hills, and all those really trashy reality shows. And then every other cable station in the world came up with their own, you know, my five hundred pound this or six hundred pound that. I, I'm just, I'm not a fan. Just do not watch any reality shows whatsoever. Zero. And so when this phenomenon of Tiger King started in 2020, um, I have Netflix, but I was like, you know what? I'm reading about this and I'm seeing the premise. And aside from it being what, is cool right now what is trendy right now which is the big fad right now i didn't see any reason why i would be interested in watching that show so to this date i have never seen one episode of tiger king for all i know it might be good for all i know i might have been entertained by it but it it was so off-putting um when i read about it and i saw the people that were uh you know the main subjects of it and I didn't think that anything about those people was appealing at all. And then there was this underbelly of the exotic animals, and, and there was a whole drama around that. And I was like, you know what? And questions about the way the animals were treated. Everything. I, I was like, you know what? It's this was a niche. This was a this was a an outrageous niche show that really, at the very least, should have been not even a cult favorite such a small little group but because of the external situation it became at least for a time this big hit and as i said before then it 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 faded away and you don't hear about any of these people anymore you hear about them ancillarily but not like they would be you would think given how popular and how hot that show burned for a couple of months that it was that's all people talked about tiger king tiger king tiger king and now it's tiger king which brings us to september 2021 it seems like uh, every every year during this pandemic we need to have some kind of show that comes out of nowhere and grabs the attention of not only, in this case, because streaming services are all over the world anytime, 24 hours a day, um, not only the fancy of American 
viewers, and let's face it, American viewers set the tone for many things. And that's not that's not being elitist. That's just true. Um, but now, once again, we're in a we're in a different world. We have twenty four hour access in the palm of our hands to watch whatever we want, whenever we want. While cable television in the eighties and nineties and two thousands, early two thousands, gave us much more viewing opportunities and choices we were still tied to a schedule sopranos was on sunday nights game of thrones sunday night you know these shows were on certain days but streaming services and certainly the 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 tivo and the dvr and the whole time shifting thing time shifting and the dvr gave really gave was the forerunner then to the streaming service in terms of getting people used to the fact that they could watch whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And streaming services just took that to another level. But the DVR and TiVo really changed the way we watched television. We were, we were, even though we had more choices with cable television for about 30 years, we were still tied to the same kinds of schedules that network televisions live by so the cable world lived by network rules it's just that there were more networks there was just more choice the dvr got you got people used to watching things at different times that's when we started to lose our communal uh aspect and perspective in our culture when people started to dvr things you could there remember this remember the thing called the the you know the the water cooler show you know, when, when the Sopranos were on or when Game of Thrones were on, you know, you could bet that the next day at work, people said, did you see the Sopranos? And everybody did see it because everybody watched it. But now you can't count on everybody watching a show after a, after the day it was on. Everybody's got things in their DVRs and on their, they, oh, on their streaming services. They could, they could watch a whole season at one time. So that whole communal effort or, or that whole aspect of entertainment, the whole idea of the water cooler television show is gone. And even, and even now, and now you saw what's happened during the pandemic where now we have first-run films on your screen. So you would even say, hey, did this weekend, did you see the big movie that came out? No. I'm going to watch it next week at home. <laughs> so sadly, there, there, that, that used to be a that, – that's what was so – fun about being like into the pop culture was that there was this communal aspect and you watched it and you took it in and then you shared it with people right after and now it's we're once again so segmented and we're so uh you know individualized in our entertainment that you can't you can't share that i mean there was no such thing as the term spoiler alert now that's all you say. Oh, I didn't. Well, spoiler alert. Blah, 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 don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Before it's like, no, you know what? Sopranos was on Sunday night at nine o'clock. You watched it Sunday and you talked about it on Monday. And now you can't do that. Oh, I didn't see it yet. It's in my DVR. Oh, I didn't see it yet. I didn't watch that season yet. I didn't watch that season yet of a show. But it seems during this pandemic, even though society has opened up more, certainly than it was a year and a half or so ago, and people are going out to dinner more and going to activities more, we're still not as social as we were before the pandemic. And so we're still sitting around that television set or sitting around our computer screen or sitting, sitting you know, watching our, our, our smartphone, and we are watching a variety of shows because there are just so many options now with the streaming services as well as the existing networks and and cable networks so it's it's a huge 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 you know <laughs> as i said before palette to choose from and so every so often amidst all these little segments and niches of shows 
There's a phenomenon. We need a phenomenon every year or so. And so last month, well, now a couple of months ago, in late September, the most unlikely, if you think that Tiger King was an unlikely phenomenon on television, I don't think you could then, if, if that was unlikely, I don't even know if there's a word to describe the latest fad show, the latest television phenomenon, which once again was born and bred on a streaming service, Netflix, and also, no doubt, helped by the communication, the instant communication of the internet to spread the word about something, as well as this underlying need for people to be like, oh, have you seen this crazy, outrageous, quirky, off-the-beaten-path show? The difference is now that cult shows become mainstream shows. That's the irony. Before, cult artists and cult shows used to be just that. But in today's world, you, there's, you can't keep a secret. And if there's enough of a cult following of something, word gets out real fast and boom, it goes from zero to 100 and suddenly it's a mainstream hit. And that's what happened over the last month and a half, as I said before, with the most unlikeliest candidate for the newest phenomenon on television. Have you heard about the Squid Game? Not only does it have a, a crazy name, the title is, is, is goofy, but here's, here's a show that should have everything going against it to become a worldwide phenomenon, which it has become. You cannot deny it. I, whether you've seen the Squid Game or not, I think that if you do any kind of surfing, I don't know if you still use that word, on the internet, on news sources, whether it's Google, Yahoo, wherever you go, you have to have heard about Squid Game. You know that it's become a phenomenon because on Halloween, just last week, many people were dressing up like characters on Squid Game. And surprisingly, even young kids. So this wasn't just an adult thing, despite the show certainly being aimed at adults and certainly having a very a very mature uh you know premise but nonetheless there's no such thing anymore everybody watches everything or i should say anybody watches anything and thus the squid game the chances of this show Becoming a phenomenon. If you, well, a little backstory on it. The Squid Game is a show that was produced in South Korea. It has subtitles. It's all in Korean. It takes place in Korea. It's based on the name, the Squid Game, is the name of a popular children's game in the 70s and 80s. In Korea. So this is a very Korean-centric foreign show with subtitles and uh, clearly aimed at a specific culture in this world. Hardly a, a mainstream kind of broad subject. Very, very specific. And yet, while it was specific in its tone its overall premise and message certainly had enough of a universal appeal that despite all the odds against it despite it being 
in Korean language with subtitles, despite it being very specific to the Korean culture, despite it starring having no well-known actors or actresses, all South Korean actors and actresses who the majority of people in the world never heard of, despite all that, its theme was intriguing enough and different enough and and disturbing enough, once again, like Tiger King, that it grabbed people's attention. Now, will Squid Game have legs? Will it have more legs than Tiger King did? We'll see. There is a second season already planned. But as we always know, sophomore year, those soft the sophomore jinx always comes in. Now, for those of you who have seen Squid Game, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who have not, the premise of the show is interesting in that it 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 encompasses many of the f- trends of today and brings them all together. What what this show is about, so there are social implications, there are cultural implications, and there are purely entertainment implications, which is one reason why it's probably resonated so well despite the language barrier around the world. This has really been a global phenomenon. In fact, Squid Game, I said about being the unlikely phenomenon, a South Korean show with no major mainstream actors or actresses or stars in it that is subtitled and that deals in the South Korean culture, as I said before, very niche, very specific. It is the most watched show on Netflix. Maybe of all time. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I believe it is. It has literally become an international TV phenomenon. There is no way in the world you could have ever predicted that. In fact, the creator of this show had the idea for this show in 2009, about 12 years ago. Has had this idea and could not get it made. But now... As I said before, with many different factors coming into play, not only did Netflix decide to make it, but when it put it out there, the word of mouth and the buzz, it was either a masterful job of marketing or an amazing accident accident that, that turned out to be very lucrative. I'm not sure what it is. It's probably a little of both. But there's no doubt that COVID played a role again as we stay in and, uh, you know, are looking for entertainment um, choices and many people looking for something a little different. And the Squid Game certainly falls into that category. If you don't know what the show is about, it's an interesting premise. As I said, it, it combines many of the things that we're, we're, we're into today. We, we, between, whether it's talent shows, um, you know, like The Voice or, or you know, the dancing shows or game shows, and we've got these other things like, uh, you know, American Gladiators and Wipeout and all these other, you know, Titans and all this stuff. We, we are into extreme competitions now. Competitions definitely always have been, but now we're in a world of extreme things. We, we're not just content with normal kind of competitions. We need extreme things that 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 uh, you know that that push people to the brink and 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 just are are over the top. And that's what this show is all about. At the same time, it does have a, a kind of an underbelly or a, or a, a subtle theme about the state of our world. Basically, what, what, what's going on here is there are people that are in great poverty or the people that are in great debt in South Korea, and they volunteer to go and play and be on this show and be 
on this, in, be, get involved in this competition called the Squid Game. And ultimately, what they do is they the, the participants compete in a series of children's shows or children's games. Like I said, the Squid Game was a, was a children's game uh, in the 70s and 80s that was popular in South Korea. So adults partake in playing these kids' games, so they're not very you know, sophisticated or difficult to understand. They're very simple, and everybody knows them because they all played them when they were kids there in South Korea. And they're televised, and then the winners go on to the next round, and ultimately they can win in American money like 39 or, say, $40 million dollars. So they're they're either in poverty or they're 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 at their 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 at their depths in terms of debt, and so they agree to this to to play in these series of games to ultimately win forty million dollars and like winning the lottery. The dark side of this and the interesting and intriguing side of this is, of course, if you lose one of these games in this competition, as everybody continues to go up the ladder to finally get to the, the final, you are killed. <laughs> so we've got competition. We've got some good old violence. We've got some good old you know, villains and good guys. All the aspects of reality television and TV in general today between competitions and reality, as well as a little drama, right? And, of course, you know, a little dark side. Everybody was like horror and murder, right? So that's got it all. But it does say something about the desperation of how people are so desperate to get out of their circumstance. They're, they're seemingly uh, they've hit rock bottom that they will do anything. They will potentially sacrifice their lives for the chance for that big payday. And that is kind of the universal theme that we all think about, right? What would you do? How desperate would you, how bad would you want that to win that lottery? Would you give your life up for it? And then there's this, and there's a little behind the scenes things too. So they partake in these series of, of, of kid-oriented games to ultimately win this prize that supposedly would cure all their problems by winning $40 million. And so there we have it. That's Squid Game. Now it's an interesting it's an interesting premise. I'll give you that. But I but once again it it, it you know the fact is that it's very specific to South Korea and it's you know it's it's subtitled so you wouldn't think that people from around the world would get into this. But once again we're around our televisions, we're looking for something different. We've got more time on our hands so we're open to trying some other kinds of viewing things that we might not because we were all we, we always had some other distractions and other social commitments. So we only had X amount of time to watch television. But now we have a little more time. So we might be a little more experimental and a little more adventurous. And that's where shows like Tiger King and now the Squid Game come into play. Our our willingness to have a little extra time, and with that extra time, maybe try something off the beaten path, maybe try something and watch something that we would never even think of watching, especially this, a subtitled show. People won't, you know, once again, people used to hate, oh, I'm not going to go see a movie because it's got subtitles. Well, now it seems like that's not an obstacle anymore. If Squid Game has proven anything, subtitles are not box office poison. And I guarantee you, you will see, like we always do, when something is popular, especially a fad, there cannot be copycats too far behind. And I guarantee you that within the next year or so, you will see shows from all around the world that will have similar themes that will have... And you'll see a show from France, or you'll see a show a show from Germany, or you're going to see a show from India or somewhere ever. I guarantee you, and they're, they're going to be somewhat like that, but they're going to get a shot because now it's been proven that, for instance, subtitles aren't an obstacle, that people are willing to watch shows from foreign countries, not even in their own home language. That was a huge 
obstacle in the past. Maybe we've gotten past that. Squid Game certainly, at the very least, hints at that. So I'm sure you're going to see some copycats soon. And what the heck, we saw the best picture in 2019 was from South Korea. Do you remember that? Parasite, subtitled film, horror film from South Korea. Best picture. So should we be surprised now that two years later, a show like Squid Game takes the world by storm? Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. That may be the way of the world. We may be becoming a, a truly a global society, truly becoming more cosmopolitan. There was a time when I'm not reading subtitles. Let them speak English. Well, you know what? We can't live like that anymore, apparently. Now, we will see whether Squid Game has legs or not. I'll be honest with you. I always am. Didn't see Tiger King. Still have not seen Squid Game. I'm I'm not sold on it. I don't know if I can really get into a show with all subtitles. I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, being someone who's been watching movies since they were a little kid and and someone who is an actor, I I do relate to the characters and what they say and how they say them. And when I have to read the words, I am not paying attention to the acting. And when I'm not paying attention to the acting, I'm not connecting with the characters. And if I'm not connecting with the characters, I'm not getting invested in the story. And if I'm not invested in the story, I'm not interested. So, and... This Squid Game thing came out of nowhere so fast, so popular. Back to my old adage, I have to be a little skeptical when something becomes so popular so fast. I wonder if it's more about it's the cool thing to watch rather than it's worth watching. I'm not worried about being cool. So, I don't know. I may watch this. I may not. Never watched Tiger King. Jury's still out on this one. We'll see. Now, there's an interesting behind-the-scenes thing here, though, that you should know. You might say, geez, Jim, you're being so, uh, you know, kind of prejudiced about this. You know, you don't want to watch it. It's got subtitles, and, it, you know, it's a fad. I'm not being prejudiced in, in a way in terms of not – I'm not talking about – the fact that it's a South Korean thing. I'm just talking about I've got my I've just got my thoughts about, you know, subtitled shows and 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 kind of phenomenon fad shows that I've got kind of my resistance to. But you may be the biggest Squid Game fan there is. That's great. But just know this. Whether you're into the show or not. One reason why Netflix made this show an idea that I told you had been around since 2009. One reason why Netflix was willing to take a chance and make it was, first of all, their whole goal is to make as many, you know, is to give you as many options as possible. That's the lure of Netflix. You go on there, and this is just this potpourri and this seemingly endless selection of content. So they need content. So in 2009, there was no such thing as a streaming service. But now there's several streaming services out there, and they're looking for content, and certainly they're looking for the next big thing. So they decide to make this show. You might say, well, geez, with all the shows out there, why would they make this very kind of niche South Korean show that would be, you know, once again, need to be translated, starring with no real stars, no nothing? Well, here's the economic reality of it, that you can never underestimate and never keep out of your mind. There's no question that this was a fad, that this was a phenomenon, and it was the most unlikely of them all. But when you start to peel some of the layers of the onion, it's not so unbelievable now, is it? There's no question that Netflix has become ubiquitous 
in the United States. I mean, it's just, it's taken over the entertainment world. When you look at the Emmys, everything that people talk about, Netflix, 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 Netflix. So in the United States, I would say if anybody has one streaming service or two, one of them is Netflix. They're, they, they were there first. They, 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 they were the, the pioneers and they reap the benefits of that. But to some extent, apparently, they have saturated the United States market so much that there's really not a lot of room for growth. They, they succeeded in what they wanted to do. They blanketed and conquered America, which is no small feat in the entertainment world. But then once you have conquered it, you need to start looking somewhere else because now your market is finite. So Netflix, after saturating the United States, needs to get more markets. They need to find more subscribers. And that means they need to go around the world. They need to create programming that will appeal not just to the United States, but will appeal to foreign countries all around the world. And so therefore, they are they were and probably now will be more open to investing in making shows that are from foreign countries, about foreign countries, and while they have some universal appeal or they're specific, they also may have some universal appeal that will appeal to other countries. So not just American-centric and not just American-based. What they want is to open up new markets and get new subscribers in all the other countries around the world. And foreign countries many times are more open to shows made outside of America because our culture is so American-dominated. So it was a very wise move by Netflix to, especially coming on the heels of Parasite 2019 film, Best picture, they realize, wait a minute, there's an appetite for South Amer- South South Korean programming. Subtitles may not be an obstacle anymore. Let's go for this. And this may have international appeal in the Far East, certainly, where there's billions of people. How do we grow our market? How do we get our service? To those people, how do we get new subscribers? We have saturated the United States. There's nobody, everybody that wants Netflix is going to, it already has it. So now we have to start looking across the oceans. And so now you see a South Korean show. So did Netflix create the buzz about this in an overall marketing plan? to create an international phenomenon. Was this a phenomenon or was it an orchestrated phenomenon, which is a conflicting term? Was it a phenomenon or was it a well-executed marketing campaign by Netflix to have a foreign show to appeal to foreign subscribers for them to sign up to Netflix to see this thing? And then, of course, once it becomes a rage, then Americans either jump on it or whatever, and it becomes a worldwide thing. And once Americans get into it, then forget about it. You know, you know. Don't forget the Beatles actually were popular in Europe, but they weren't a phenomenon until they conquered the United States. What's interesting now is the dynamic, the paradigm is different. Netflix has dominated the United States, and now they need to get the rest of the world on board. So instead of exporting something American to the foreign countries, Netflix is bringing something foreign for the foreign market. And then America is following it. It's a whole different world out there. But there's no question whether it was a real phenomenon or it was a manufactured phenomenon, whether it's a fad or whether it has legs, there is no questioning that right now, As I said before, just look at the Halloween costumes. Right now, if you're cool or if you want to be cool, 
you got to watch the Squid Game. Sort of tells you who and what I want to be. Because I haven't seen it yet. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, send them a message, send them a link. Tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 285. I'm Jim Toronto. I'm here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.